generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Getting in the KiwiSaver fund that suits you and your situation is key to making sure you're maximising your investment. Generate are an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of long-term performance and they can help you do exactly this. Their advisors can meet with you to talk about all your options when it comes to KiwiSaver to help you decide what's best for you. Too many people never get KiwiSaver advice, but not you. Go to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no-obligation chat with a Generate advisor. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Welcome back. You are listening to another episode of KeepTheChange.co.nz's Money Mail. It is good to have you tuning in, and sheesh, there are a few of you tuning in. This month, we've gone past 20,000 listeners. It's actually, I think, 21,500 the last time I had a look. So it's really cool to see more and more people finding the podcast. And a big thank you to a number of you. I'm really feeling the love from the messages and yourself putting content on your own socials leaving a five-star review all of that stuff helps i can really start to see the ripple effects of the podcast now when i'm going places and people want to talk about it they want to ask questions around different financial things and now i've just uh, come in to record this podcast plus maybe another one and the hunger is there. So I ordered some Uber Eats and I bump into my mate Matthew again who has shared a story with Keep the Change before where he uh, filled out the link at the bottom of the email of his financial story but he's out and about on his scooter delivering Uber Eats and making some bank and I think he I just left him a tip which he gets 100% of apparently so he'll be stoked about that. He'll probably drop me a thank you he did last time uh, but it is cool the size that this is getting to now where just about every week I'll bump into somebody who wants to talk about it or who is a listener. And that's the cool thing about New Zealand is that it is really quite small. So it's cool to see uh, the snowball that we're creating and people are starting to notice as well. I had a large-ish organisation, shall I say, reach out this week and say, hey, we want to discuss what you're doing. And I'll go and explore that before I explain more about that But there's definitely a bit of momentum and a big part of it is thanks to all of you for continuing to tune in and send in queries, feedback, suggestions and whatnot. And that allows me to try and tailor some content that I know is going to be uh, valuable for all of you. Now at the same time I think the big contributor that we can't ignore is of course the way that the economy is going and the cost of living and finances and you've heard me say a number of times now how 
you know, I thought that this was the right content a couple of years ago that people needed to be thinking about, but it was probably too early and people were not needing to get ready for inflation because they couldn't see it or didn't understand what that meant or were told it was transitory or it's just because, you know, there's a war in the Ukraine or whatever, uh, but these things are all still here. And I actually found a story, memory, from a year ago, and it was on Instagram saying, wow, inflation's peaked at the highest it's been for a long time at six point something percent. Well, a year on and it's at seven point something percent. So, you know, I think the economists have been surprised and we're at a very, very interesting time. And that's why we all need to stay aware and do the right things and try and do what we can to protect ourselves because everyone's guessing as to how this is going to play out. And someone asked me yesterday, you know, when did I see things returning to normal as such? And I wrote quite a decent reply and paragraph to sort of step out what I think I see coming. And you've heard a lot about that on the pod already. So I won't go back through that. But the summary is that we're not going back to a normal. And this is the new normal. The unnormal is normal. And we have to just get used to that. And you can see that we've got massive infrastructure issues in the country that are going to require money. Um, You can see that we're going to have to borrow more. We're going to probably tax people more. And that's just a never-ending cycle that has probably been ongoing for some time. But, you know, eventually something will probably break as it does in a financial system. And with any system, when you put too much pressure on any system and push it to its absolute boundaries, eventually it kicks back and it breaks. And it's no different to ourselves as humans when we try and push ourselves to our absolute maximum. And we do that and we do that and we think far out. You know, I'm actually, I'm capable of so much more And then all of a sudden your hamstring goes or your Achilles goes or you get sick or something happens for you, something snaps and you realise, oh shit, maybe I've gone past what's actually doable with this system. And the economy is very similar and no different and we're trying to push it to its limits. But eventually something breaks and at the moment we're seeing things unwind slowly and they have been for some time now in terms of asset prices and things like that and the money coming out of the system. But you know we could still see something break as well as we still get no closer to beating inflation and really getting on top of it. If we keep trying to do that, you'd have to imagine that at some stage something's going to break. And I think things are slowly breaking, but everyone's going to have a different definition of what that sort of breaking is. It could be you know, one of our largest organisations letting go of number of people. But we've already sort of seen that with Zero, for instance. This week, MediaWorks getting rid of a, a radio station that's not working. And this stuff's becoming more and more in our face in the media. But I think, as I've said for quite a while, I think we will wake up one morning and there'll be a major headline from, from overseas and we will freak out. And I've seen a little bit of that with some of these banks going under and then our share market taking a hammering but realistically, in the States, what they've then said is, like they've said the same thing as what we're doing. Okay, we're going to keep incre- increasing interest rates. We're, we're going to decrease the amount of money in supply. And we're going to try and bring this back to some form of normality because we, we let it go too far during the uh, illness that was firing around the world. Now, when these banks started collapsing, rightly or wrongly, they said, well, let's bail them out. Well, where does that money come from? Basically, it's them going against what it is that they're saying that they're trying to achieve. If it were you know, really brutal, they would say, well, unfortunately, it is what it is. This is a victim of the situation. Uh, off you go. But no, you know, they've basically allowed the saviour of, or 
yeah, these banks to be saved as such, which kind of contradicts their message. And I think smart enough people have gone, huh, you know, we knew this was coming. They would try and push it. They would push it and try and fix everything. But now they are saying, oh, no, that's not what we're doing. You know, this is this is different. And, and it's always different for these people in these roles. But I think we all know that we'll all get bailed out in some way, shape or form, or, or they'll try to. But of course, there'll still be consequences with that. And, you know, we saw that during lockdown where we said okay well let's just introduce a wage subsidy and effectively businesses won't go under people won't lose their jobs and we can get through to the other side of this and we can keep going but that money again had to come from somewhere didn't it so we effectively bailed people out you know why didn't we say hey look we you should know by now that you should have six months of uh, savings so we're not going to do any wage subsidies for six months until you've evaporated your emergency six months that you know good citizens should have put aside because no one fucking does that, right? So that's why they couldn't do that. But it just shows you that that's probably what they're going to do when bad things happen again in the future uh, because that's just the cycle to which that we repeat and then people come to expect and we lean on when needed. Now, that's not to say that there isn't repercussions for that and obviously we're seeing high levels of inflation and... Um, you know, inequality increasing when that's something that we really want to decrease. So these things are all good and well in the moment to, to keep us safe in a short term, but they obviously have long-term impacts as well. Now let's get into this week's lesson because it all ties into this because it's called How the Economy Stops. Now this is week number 151. In March, Statistics New Zealand told us that gross domestic product GDP, so that's GDP that they talk about, uh, fell 0.6% in the December 2022 quarter. This means we are halfway to a recession, or does it mean that we're actually a whole way there? A technical recession is two quarters of negative growth. So we've got one down, one to come. And this 0.6% drop was actually larger than what most economists, shock, uh, predicted, or even the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. So for some reason we still can't get this data right. When these predictions come out, we are normally guessing, and the banks are, and the Reserve Bank are as well. Now, the second quarter is March 2022, which is actually finished, because this is coming out post-31 March, obviously. So the two quarters, if they're negative, then we could tick the box for a technical recession. But guess what? We won't get that data from the end of March until June, so if we have another negative quarter for June, the engineered recession, remember they're saying they want to engineer a shallow recession, is going to be here. And the breaking news, the red flashing lines will be, New Zealand is in a recession. Every news outlet will lead with this story as their first story and there will be people talking about it and it will be the big 72 hours. Now, people will say, wow, you know, we're in a recession. They'll start to question what does that mean for them? realistically, we will have been in this recession for nine months because it started technically in October 2022. And perhaps it even started in September or August. But the fear will kick in and people will be freaking out and they're going to wonder what's going to happen, how they should act and potentially what they should be spending on and they're going to question their own job security as well. It's just going to encourage more people to go back into fear mode because we're going to talk more about contracting and recession and this sort of stuff. But realistically, we would have been nine months in it. So it shouldn't be something that scares you because you've already been living through it for nine months. That's the key takeaway here. 
Now, of course, we might even avoid it, but we'll get to that. But there is a famous saying that it's a recession when your neighbour loses their job and they tell you over the fence, oh, I've actually lost my job, and you go, oh, shit, you know, we are in a recession. But it's a depression when you lose yours. Now, I've got a bit of a saying, and it is prepare for a depression and hope for a recession. Now, what that means is that if you were to think, okay, what could happen in a depression? Well, you probably losing your job is what most people would think is a depression. So if you prepare for that, but then we only get a recession or you only get a recession in your life and that's just a bit of contractory things getting harder or some people around you losing their roles or no pay rises for the next year or something or inflation eating into your real purchasing power, then, or you maybe don't get your bonus that you normally get, then you've still made it through, right? So prepare for a depression and hope for a recession. Because someone losing their job doesn't start a recession or a depression. Of course, if that happens to you or has happened to you, I'm not saying I don't have any sympathy for that. It is just that you're going to take that moment and you're going to base everything around that. But that's not what starts a recession or a depression. It's actually the result of a recession or a depression, people losing their roles. So one of the main contributors to a collapse of an economy is when people stop paying each other. The ugly truth about our economy, even when it is not in a recession, is that a lot of businesses operate paycheck to paycheck, just like Kiwi households do. This is a real picture from a client this month. Now this photo is a screenshot that a client sent me and said, fuck, this is really getting hard. And it is the fact that they're owed $219,834.30. Now, it was about the 23rd of March when they sent this photo to me, and most of this was due on the 20th of March. So now, 41 of the invoices that they've got out, and part of that $219,000, are overdue and haven't been paid. And that total is $167,482.43. So the difference is due in the future. So 41 people or invoices yet to be paid when they were due on the 20th of March. It's now the 23rd for them and they haven't got it. Imagine you doing your job and not getting paid for it. You wouldn't. You would be straight to the union, straight to your boss, straight to a lawyer. You would be saying... I'll go to the media if you don't pay me. It would be fucking pandemonium in this country if people just stopped paying their employees. But for business owners, this is the reality. Every single month, they've got to look. Who paid me? Who didn't? How come? What do I do? Do I get on the phone? When can you pay it? They didn't answer. They haven't got back to me. And it goes round and round and round. But this photo... And this situation is not unique. This is becoming more and more common for me to hear from my clients when they say, shit, I'm finding it harder to be paid. This week alone, I've had this photo and they're in the services based in a, I'm just trying to think without uh, giving away what they do, in an industry, without asking them, um, in an industry where usually money will flow quite well. Now, secondly, I had a client who is in the civil engineering type space say, man, it's been really hard this month to collect our cash. Very, very noticeable. Same thing for someone 
doing uh, another type of service, servicing the residential property market. Shit, I'm not going to get paid. I think they're going to pay me in dribs and drabs. Those tens of thousands of dollars that I'm owed, they've said that they can only commit to paying a small percentage every month. So I think I'll get it, but it might take me some time. You know what the niggly thing is for them? They've got a stack of bills that they have to pay, and they're relying on that money to come in to pay it. So the, this is no different to yourself, and this is why I often talk about treating yourself like a business and trying to figure out how if you were a business, what could you do to beat some of the problems that business owners will face as well? Because for many business owners, this is their reality. They check their bank account late at night to see if anyone has paid. A bit more has trickled in, but not everything. They lay awake at night worrying about cash. And this is true. This is so often we'll ask clients, hey, what keeps you awake at night? And it's usually cash or staff. I say to clients, what's your biggest pain point in your business at the moment? Cash. What are you striking with in your business? Or oh, probably just cash flow. So how do they then pay their suppliers, their accountant, hey, insurance, their rent, fuel, subscriptions, etc., etc.? Bank debts, GST, PAY, and taxes? Oh, of course, their staff, their team, their employees. How do they pay them? How does my client, who's owed $167,000 on the 20th of March and still hasn't had it on the 23rd of March, how does he pay his staff? How does he do that? Most businesses will prioritize paying their employees by whatever means possible. They'll go into debt to do so. They'll max out a credit facility. They'll lean on the bank of mum and dad, potentially. They'll delay payments to suppliers. They may get some form of rent relief, but they're very unlikely to get that. The bank will normally always get theirs because they use direct debit or have security over the family home. So what that means is a business owner will go and borrow money. The bank will say, yep, we'll lend you the money for your business, but if you fail to pay us back, we're probably going to eventually come and take you home. So what would you do? You would pay your fucking debt, wouldn't you? Because you don't want to lose your home. So the bank will also use direct debit and just take it out of the account. They don't care who else you've got to pay. So that's gone. So they'll usually get theirs. The IRD won't get paid. That is, the IRD will not get paid because you can actually go quite some time without paying the IRD, especially if you communicate with them proactively. I had a client who I was working with the other day and new client for us. Their taxes have been mismanaged by an accountant and I said to them, how much tax you got to pay? And they said, oh, I think it's this and this. I said, let's log in and have a look. Had a look and I said, look, this is probably going to be best to put this on an installment because if you pay all of that, you're going to end up with no cash left in your business and we're going to have to call the IRD. So we called the IRD and they said, yep, would you like to pay it off over 36 months? Three years. So people will find ways to stretch out the time at which they've got to pay their taxes because the IRD would rather collect it than not collect it at all. So if you communicate proactively with uh, the IRD, they'll actually be pretty good about it and they'll help you find a solution. So GST can often go unpaid, PAYE can go unpaid, but there's a big issue of that because your employer, uh, or your yeah, KiwiSaver contributions could be sitting inside that payment that needs to go to the IRD. So if that's not going, then potentially money's not going into your KiwiSaver. So that does impact you and you probably wouldn't know that that's going on behind the scenes. The IRD is not a bank and they want to collect the tax due because it is then paid to the government to spend. But if the money isn't there, they can't always get it. Now, the IRD don't have enough staff to look at every single business 
in New Zealand after every single GST period, PAYE period, and income tax assessment and go, hey, you know, you, you owe us this. They send out automatic reminders saying, look, you, you failed to pay this, you need to pay it. Call us ASAP if you want to put an instalment arrangement in place, etc. And they'll also start charging penalties and interest, and those rack up very quickly. But it takes a long time before someone actually gets on the phone from the IRD and says, excuse me, Luke, you haven't paid your tax or your client hasn't paid your tax. What is going on here? So that is how people will continue to pay their staff because they'll find things that they can get away with not paying. Now, it's very similar for an individual. They may miss uh, a payment on their car loan, for instance, and they start to get into arrears or your credit card, as we've spoken about thousands of times before. How often do the bank ring and say, hey, you haven't paid your credit card? They don't really care. They just say, pay the minimum, and we'll whack some more fees and some interest on it, and hopefully uh, we can start uh, earning more off of you because you're failing to pay. So listen out for people not being paid because this is a huge issue that's going to have a big flow-on impact, and it eventually affects all of us in some way, shape, or form, i.e. the accountant not getting paid if it was me, taxes not being collected to then be redistributed, and you not even getting paid or potentially ending up losing your job. Remember that you losing your job isn't how the economy comes grinding to a halt. That's how your economy comes grinding to a halt. So people not getting paid is what comes first. That is why it is so important to have an emergency fund set aside and to not leverage yourself up on cheap credit. Now, there's a saying, no one sniffs their first line of cocaine expecting to become a drug addict. There's also a saying, that no one takes out $10,000 of buy now, pay later, fucking shit credit, expecting to lose their job. But these are the things that can happen, and that's when they become a problem. So that is why it's so smart not to leverage yourself up on cheap credit. And I see these people tell me, oh, buy now, pay later is so good because, you know, I've learned how to save and do all this shit. Well, imagine if you lost your job. Would you make the same video or the same comment? Probably not. You'd probably regret the outgoings you've got to buy now, pay later. And I can guarantee you the first thing you'll stop paying if you were to lose your job would be that cheap credit. Well, I'll just end up racking up some fees and whatnot and see what happens. But probably you should go and sell as much shit as you can to try and clear that. So it's getting harder to create an emergency fund because we're having less money left over after inflation is eating into it. And this is why we were talking about this a long, long time ago. But I know that a number of people are new to listening. So if you don't have some form of emergency credit you can access, the fastest way to sort that is to just go around your home, your garage, and genuinely look for things that you know you never use. Use the 80-20 rule. We use 20% of the stuff in this room, not the other 80. Be ruthless, sell some of that stuff, and build up a buffer. That's going to give you the comfort that you've at least got some coin sitting there. If you can't do that, then you've got to go back to basics of trying to trim down your expenses to be able to put some money aside. Maybe you're at the stage of trying to repay debt. There are podcasts on that. If you want to go back and listen to those, search debt under the uh, podcast title or under the podcast catalog and you'll find different episodes to listen to. There are no real silver bullets for this stuff. Now, hopefully, well, it doesn't even really matter, I don't think. Hopefully we avoid a depression, uh, but a number of us will now be preparing for it and hoping for a recession, but maybe we avoid a recession altogether. So what that means is that we might end up having a quarter in March that isn't negative. But judging by some of the sales data I saw in January, I'd be very surprised. And now that my clients are saying, hey, I'm struggling to get paid, 
all signs for me point to the fact that we're probably going to have a negative quarter through to the end of March, which is now finished as well. The Reserve Bank have told us too that they need to create more unemployment. So this will be coming for some people. You may know someone who loses their job. But at the moment, the good thing is there are still job openings in different areas where you could potentially find work again quite quickly. Now, the Reserve Bank have also told us that we have low debt compared to other nations. So I'd suggest just on this, because you'll hear this all the time, and you'll hear our finance uh, spokesperson saying this, our Minister of Debt, you'll hear this and it won't matter what camp. Oh, we've got low debt compared to other nations. Well, I'd suggest not using how much debt you have compared to your neighbour as a metric of success. But that's what we do as a nation. So don't go around your neighbourhood going, oh, I've got less debt compared to them. Like, I'm doing way better than them. What a stupid thing to do. But that's what we do as a country. Oh, we've got less debt to, you know, compared to other countries. So, you know, we're, we're in a really good position. I don't think that that's a good metric for you to determine how well your household economy is going, but that's what we do at a national level. So what this does tell us is that you know that we'll be taking on more debt as a nation when things get really ugly because they're priming us by saying, well, it's all good. We don't actually have that much debt. So then when we go to get more debt, we can keep people fighting with each other because half people will be saying, shit, you know, we shouldn't be borrowing money in a time when inflation's high and all these things are going on. And the other half will be like, oh, chill out, bro. You know, our inflation's pretty, I mean, our, well, they'll say that too. Our inflation's low compared to other countries, but they'll say our debt's low compared to other nations. And that's how the fight continues. And basically people pick sides and then who do we vote for, this one or that one. And the whole cycle goes on and on. But you've got to start to see through some of this shit and actually think, hmm, how do I want to run my individual household and your individual budget? Because you sure as hell don't want to run it the way that a government runs it. Now, in the meantime, if you're an employee in a small business, please be mindful of what your employer is going through right now. You know, when you're an employee, it's very fashionable to talk about work-life balance and all these types of things, and we're trying to get to this point and have four-day work weeks and stuff. And that's all going to be very glamorous and exciting. Do you know how often business owners get to think about work-life balance or not having to chase someone for money that's owed to them or not worrying about an issue that a staff member has got? You know, one of the first calls I got this week was from a client saying, hey, mate, um, sorry to bother you so early in the morning. I need a, uh, a bit of a hand here. I've actually just spoken to my lawyer as well. I just wanted to get your thinking. Uh, one of my staff members has just had a stroke over the weekend and they're going to have to come off life support. I just need to understand or um, you know, know what I need to do in terms of my obligations with paying them and all these different things. And that's what they've got to deal with. So that's how their week starts for them. I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, mate, um, I'll give you a hand quickly. Oh, anyway, how's your work-life balance? You know, that's not really a thing for business owners. I'm sure they would love it. I'm sure most business owners, as I know, get into business to have some form of freedom, whether it's time freedom, cash freedom, or freedom of what they get to think about, but that's not often what they actually get. So I think a lot of people think, oh, these businesses are fucking rotting everyone and taking everyone's money, and my boss gets paid heaps, and oh, I saw them go for a bloody holiday to this country. They probably put it on a credit card just like you. So be mindful what your employer is going through right now. Now, if you're in business, don't bury your head in the sand. This cash flowing through your business is mission critical. It needs daily attention. If you are in business, check out the What's Next Next Advisory podcast. Phil and I have got an abundance of content around the stuff and getting the stuff under control. The well, I shouldn't say the good thing, but 
The benefit you'll have if you do take proactive action is that you'll be part of the top 10% of businesses that actually do it. Most will just bury their head in the sand and not do much and just wait for shit to really hit the fan and then figure out what they need to do. So if you do act proactively, you'll stand out and that's actually going to work in your favour. So check out those podcasts if you need. Now for all of us, remember, the Reserve Bank are openly engineering a shallow recession is what it's called. So in June, a recession announcement may not be overly surprising. It will have just arrived earlier than first expected. So we were not expecting to see a recession in this country until later on in the year. But remember as well, we've all been primed to expect that this is coming. So it's not supposed to be a big surprise. And I'd imagine that people won't take it that seriously when we get there. But we all have a 72 hours of freaking out. But that won't come until June if this is the recession that we're in. Remember that as well, that if we have a quarter in uh, March that isn't actually negative and we don't get into a recession, then we're not going to see a recession until 2024 because we'd need two negative quarters, which would have to be the end of April, May, June, uh, or it could be the September quarter as well. Sorry, so it could be late 2023 or early 2024. But remember, we won't get the data for two or three months after because it's such a big lag. Now, I think one of the better data sets that we could use to understand this would actually be understanding from the IRD what is the level of non-payment of PAYE, GST and income tax in this country because that's a good guide for the fact that people aren't able to meet the obligations because cash isn't allowing in that business space. Now, I actually asked ANZ's economist the other day, do you get access to this information? And I already knew the answer and I thought, but maybe I could be wrong. But no, the answer is no. We don't get access to that. So I don't know why that data set isn't available because every month, two months or six months, businesses have to file GST returns to say what their total sales data is and their expenses are and then they've got to make a payment of that difference to that GST. Every month they've got to file their PAYE return and then they can monthly track who's not paying their PAYE, so the tax on the wages paid to staff, Uh, and also who's not paying their GST, most people either monthly or two monthly on that, and they'd have a very gauge very quickly, but for some reason we don't seem to utilise that data when it's sitting right in front of us. Anyway, you're one of over 7,150 recipients of the written email, Uh, if you do get that, and if you're a listener, you're now part of 21,500 monthly listeners. Did you know the latest Reserve Bank data shows us that term deposits are now at a record high, $106.5 billion are stashed away, in-term deposits, so they certainly are back in fashion. If you're thinking about getting a term deposit, I'd highly suggest that you listen to the podcast I did around term deposits with Lighthouse Financial, because as they explain, it is the only investment guaranteed to go backwards in its lifetime, because basically inflation will always erode the purchasing power of those dollars, and your money will become worth less. But for now, people are seeking safety, and they're seeking some form of return, and so Kiwis are parking their cash in term deposits. I hope that you have found this week useful. There's something in it for everybody. It is a interesting time financially, and it's just keeping on, keeping us on our toes, and we're starting to see more and more businesses struggle to collect the cash that they so desperately need to pay their bills and their staff. So do what you can to keep yourself safe in these financial times, do all the right things, keep listening to the pod, taking action, and we'll see you next week.